politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our liberties anew. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here at CR Podcast in the house for Wednesday, the 27th of April. We are your conservative conscience, independent conservative conscience, those who are actually not tethered to the ridiculous party politics. Um, all right, today we're going to do something a little bit different later on. We're going to have a comedian on. And the reason we're going to do that is because we have presented so many facts for the last two years showing how every last thing these punks have done on the virus, on healthcare, not only was it built upon a lie, but it was a blood libel in which everything they accused us of doing or causing, their remedies, their ideas actually caused it to the nth degree in addition to so much other collateral damage. And yet facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. It doesn't matter. In terms of changing the hearts and minds of a lot of people, and elected officials. So perhaps at some point you got to turn to comedy. Maybe that has a greater effect than what I'm doing. And that's why we're going to hear from our special guest later today. But for now, I do want to lay out some of those facts because at least it will arm you with the information and, you know, to fight. Where again, everything they do is the opposite. And it shouldn't surprise us. Because these are the same people that believe a man is a woman, a criminal is a victim, an illegal alien is a citizen. Everything's upside down. So it's not surprising that in their mind, a vaccine is something that spreads the virus more. Something that is purported to create immunity ensures that you can never achieve immunity. I want to go through some of those stories today. Um, we do have other things going on. We do have the Ohio primary um, in less than a week, uh, there's a governor's race, there's a Senate race, there's some congressional races, and it doesn't look good, folks. Um, I think for the Senate race, maybe we'll get in someone better, but you know who cares about that when you have DeWino as governor and Trump refuses to endorse against DeWine despite complaining about him because Trump has become a distraction at best. Now, folks, those of you who hang on to idolatry, it's because you don't get a 2020 vision. We are here not only to give you a 2020 vision on politics, law, and policy, and morality, but also your progressive glasses. A lot of people, um, their progressive glasses works about as well as progressive politics, and they throw them in the drawer, never use them again. That's why I use Rodenstock glasses from Better Spectacles. Um, it is actually a conservative American company, Better Spectacles. They use authentic Rodenstock eyewear, which is really the gold standard in the industry. Uh, they use biometric research to measure 7,000 points in your eye. Um, it's really, I find, no neck strain, much better, broader sight picture. My wife loves her Better Spectacles as well. If you want to join us in getting the best vision you can get, especially when I have to read all day and look at computers all day, and I'm sure a lot of you do as well, don't settle with your eyesight. Go big with biometrical intelligence glasses from Better Spectacles. They're offering an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear. So if you go to betterspectacles.com conservative, you could schedule a teleoptical appointment. You don't even have to leave your home. And then, again, 61% off their eyewear plus free handcrafted rodenstock frames at betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So I want to just start off with something I mentioned yesterday, but I want to put, put some finer details on it. There is an earth-shattering study, and the reason why it's earth-shattering is what it shows, but also it's NIH researchers did it, and it's a study not of the abstract – but of the actual clinical trial participants of Moderna's participants, you know, phase three trial. And they analyzed about 1,789 participants, about 1,300 placebo, 491 vaccine recipients of, of the Moderna shot. And it was roughly through 
March, or, or I'm sorry, May 2021, because it was about, you know, average of 52-day follow-up from the endpoint of the trial, which, um, which went through March. And they studied something very interesting. They compared the amount of N antibodies or anti-N, anti-nucleocapsid antibodies in people that got infection, meaning they got the virus after having got the shot. Yes, believe it or not, you get the virus after getting the shot, and they knew that, by the way, versus those in the placebo arm who never got the shot and got infection without the shot. Okay? And they found that just 40% of those in the mRNA 1273 vaccine recipients had measurable N-antibodies, whereas 93% had in the placebo group. Moreover, they found that for any given viral copy number, the odds of anti-N and seropositivity were 13.67 times higher for the placebo arm than for the vaccine arm. To a lot of people, this sounds very wonkish, very scientific, but this is earth-shattering. Because like we noted, you're, you're watching before our eyes an inverse relationship between vaccine efficacy and um, and how many doses you got. The more doses you get, the more you get COVID. We're finding, you know, just yesterday, the vice president of the United States, four doses, and within just a few weeks of the fourth dose. So you have tons of juice in you, unless she didn't get it, but let's assume she did. She got the virus, and remember, remember, this is during the sweet spot of its efficacy, right right after that kind of two-week suppression. So this is when it, before it wanes, we're told, right? And yet she still got it. We find Jen Psaki got it twice after having gotten the shot. We're seeing this all over the place. Okay, the data is everywhere, whether it's the UK, Scotland, New Zealand, Ontario. We have Walgreens, okay? Walgreens data. They have the positivity rate for all their tests. They test about 66,000 a week. This is the week starting April 17th, so it's last week. 12% positivity rate among the non-vaxxed, 17.6 among one dose, 21.7 among the two dose, and 25.6 among the three dose. Overall, the triple vax accounted for 51.4% of the positive results. By the way, while only accounting for 45% of the share of the tests. So it's not because they test more. It was greater than their share of the tests. Even though they only composed 30.4% of the population. So again, they're about 30% of the population, 51% of the positives. We are... And, and, and again, we noticed this even before Omicron or whatever other variants you have now. This was already in Delta. Okay, we, we, we noticed this. We started talking about the negative efficacy July, August of last year. The UK data was picking this up. And the longer you go at, with the more doses, the more negative efficacy you get. What this study demonstrates is straight up from the trial participants, straight up conducted by NIH that already last spring they should have known this and they lied to us to be clear I just want to make something clear if I, if I wasn't clear yesterday this is not comparing the quality of immunity from natural prior infection to the vaccine that we already know is much better this is comparing they both got COVID, both groups, people who had the infection without the vaccine compared to people who had the infection with it. So they both had infection in these groups. And yet among those, there was a 13.7 times higher 
rate of seropositivity for N antibodies in those who didn't get the shots. What it means is that when you get the shots, it prevents a good number of people, the majority of people, from ever getting N antibodies, even if you subsequently had get COVID, which you will get COVID because it doesn't work. So then we thought, okay, fine, it doesn't work. But then by hook or by crook, precisely because it doesn't work, eventually we'll all get immunity. No, it's literally an anti-vaccine. It does the exact opposite. It's Orwellian. It prevents you from ever achieving herd immunity. It only recognizes the birthday hat, the, the spike. Okay, that's narrow, very narrow spectrum. It doesn't recognize the broad nucleocapsid. So that's why you keep getting it and keep getting it. There's several reasons. It tamps down your T-cells. It's training you for the Wuhan version when it no longer exists. But keep in mind, this was even for the Wuhan version that it was concocted for. At the pinnacle of your S antibody levels, you didn't have N antibodies in the majority and a very low level in all of them. It shuts off your ability to ever get it. So that's the tragic thing. You're going to keep getting it and keep getting it. And it's by design because the more you get it, the more they panic and the more they make you get it. This is unreal. What we are seeing. It's truly unreal. Think about how many policies are in place I get heartbreaking emails from people that are federal workers, healthcare workers, military, that are having their lives destroyed or forced to get the shot, lose their career, forced to get the shot, based on a shot that not only is harmful beyond belief, but actually makes it more likely you can never get immunity. Now, a lot of people are asking me, well, Daniel, what if I got the virus first, got my natural immunity, then got the shots does it slide you back i don't know the answer to that but i don't think this shows that i think presumably if this is the only issue you should be okay because you create your antibodies this is when you got the shots then get the infection the shots ensure you can't generate the n antibodies truly to quote ben shapiro a miracle a, a medical miracle just not in the way that I guess he thinks it is. Now, folks, another way to combat their um, their tyranny and, and pharma fascism and Pfizer fascism, in addition to absurdity and comedy, which we're going to talk about today, is not pandering and patronizing the people who hate us. Free email services like Gmail and Yahoo are not free you know i was reluctant to spend money i'm like do i really need to spend money on email but i did i switched from spy mail to start mail by the way my account is daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com that is my official email um you could always email me there in addition to my work email because i don't want to get my sensitive information business plans political plans but also medical records social security anything you care about just recognize that it is being surveilled by the company and probably the government as well. Startmail keeps my email private, um, period. Every email is encrypted. Um, when you delete something, it is deleted forever. Startmail uses their own servers, and they're out of the country, so they're not you know, controlled by anything. They don't have the whole parlor issue. Uh, Startmail is backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. Another cool feature is you get an unlimited number of aliases, uh, I've I've had a lot of fun with that, you know, when I had to spam certain things and didn't want to use my number. So you could, you could just easily, it's very easy to use too. Um, it generates shareable alias emails anytime you want. Um, and it was so easy to use. So I am so happy I did it. My only concern is that I didn't do this quickly enough and so many of my emails were spied upon. I don't trust big tech, neither should you. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail like I did. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash conservative. That's S-T-A-R-T with a T at the end. Startmail.com slash conservative for 50% off. So folks, I want you guys to consider the fact 
that Pfizer has just applied for approval of a third dose for young children. It's for a strain of the virus that no longer exists. It's for a virus that doesn't affect children clinically. And in their own trial, it showed zero deaths in both the placebo and or zero hospitalizations in both the placebo and the trial group. Their own study just published in the Lancet, Pfizer study just published in the Lancet, shows that even three doses wanes in efficacy, even for a serious illness in adults after three months, which they showed. But for kids, they don't get seriously ill. A recent Danish study, we talked about this, shows that zero all-cause mortality benefit for Pfizer, and actually, specifically for Pfizer shot, it was negative efficacy. CDC just posted data showing yesterday, if you saw, 75% of children already have robust natural immunity. And the shot causes a 120-fold increase in heart inflammation over the background rate, among so many other potential maladies and injuries. And then now we know if anything, this could roll back your natural immunity. For the 25% that didn't get the infection, it will ensure they can never become immune to it. The, I, mean, I mean, at some point, when do facts matter? It is Orwellian. Everything they do accomplishes the opposite. They accuse us of spreading it. They are the ones spreading it. And you think about it. It, if you have a narrow spectrum that just recognizes the spike, see, to begin with, it's always very hard when you have an offensive mechanism of action against the cancer, against the virus, against the bacteria. It, it becomes immune to it, right? It mutates around it. It's mutagenic. But when you, to begin with, only challenge, you know, 10% of it, you're asking for viral immune escape. But of course, they know this. And that's the point. This shows that NIH researchers knew this even with the original strain from day one, and they did this anyway. You know what's interesting? If you look, they say they, uh, you know, they're, they're comparing the antibody response of those with infection after having gotten the shot to those who didn't get the shot. And it turns out they had 591 in the trial arm, 52 already by just by May of last year. Again, this is before Delta. This is before Omicron. More than 10% got the infection. This was really early on, and these guys were still marketing it as stopping infection. By the way, to this day, the community label, they have an official you know, approval. They have an official FDA label. It states that its use is indicated for active immunization to prevent coronavirus disease caused by SARS-CoV-2. The same language you would put in a fully sterilizing DTaP, MMR, whatever, polio, smallpox, the same language. It's literal fraud, according to every opinion, their own research. No, nobody disputes that. But this is where we are. The lies don't matter. How do, how do you even disprove it at some point? By the way, another interesting study here, I haven't delved into it yet, so I'm not going to get involved with it so much, but it's an Indian study. Come, came out a couple months ago. Someone <clears throat> sent it to me. Prevalence, characteristics, and predictors of long covid among diagnosed cases of COVID-19. So they wanted to look for what are the risk factors of having long COVID. And they basically said, you know, severe hospitalization, usually you'll, it will linger more, which makes sense, uh, pre-existing conditions. But another one was, you got, get it, got it, someone who had two doses of the shot, at least two doses of the shot. So they often want to say, well, we'll prevent long COVID, just the opposite. 2.3-fold adjusted odds ratio it was 2.3 okay so that means you're more than twice as likely to get long covid or at least it was associated with a more than doubling of the risk of long covid among those who had the shots versus those who did not think about that so what you do is they want to say, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not, you, you can't get severely ill, which we know is not true because now they admit even after having three doses of juice in you, that wanes after a few months. And even that 
again, that's exaggerated. That's their own study. It's lied. And a lot of people never get immunity, especially the people who need it the most and are the most likely to get severely ill from it. But that's the fine point, fine print. But more broadly, now that we know if you didn't get the virus before you got the shots and then you get the shots, you could keep getting this again and again and again. And that magnifies your risk at a minimum for long COVID. Again, the exact everything they say when you see a study, oh, this thing prevents this. Or, you know, you know, yesterday there was a study they were passing around from this guy Fishman. Uh, oh, you know, if you're unvaxxed, you're, you're somehow spreading it. You're putting other people at risk. And again, like, what? Wait, but you're vaccinated. Okay, how do you, how do the unvaxxed harm the vaxxed by not getting the thing that failed to protect them? But if they get it, it somehow will. I mean, I mean, it, facts just don't don't matter. It's absurd beyond belief. But everything they say, the opposite is true. By the way, on this theme, how everything they do makes you sicker and actually promotes the virus, you can't make this stuff up. So just like the shots seem to generate more virus. Paxlovid. I'm not kidding you. There's already a couple articles on this. This is from the UK Daily Mail. Recipients of Biden-touted Paxlovid report COVID symptoms returning and even testing positive for the virus again after completing the course of the drug. So they're noticing this trend that people with Paxlovid, they'll test positive, but also not just test positive, they'll start feeling sick again against, again, from the same infection. You know, let's say the second week or the third week. I don't know what the mechanism is there yet. I haven't spoken to people. I plan to speak to some of our uh, experts on that. But it's Orwellian. You can't make this stuff up. Everything they do is harmful. Meanwhile, Denmark became the first country to suspend it. Now they say, oh, it's because COVID's not a problem anymore. Even though they had the big, biggest wave, they just had their biggest wave they ever had. So it's kind of bizarre. And oh, everyone's already vaccinated. But they, but they did have a line in there about we're, we're going to examine before we restart it, like who and how we want to do it. Basically, between the lines, yeah, we kind of have some problems here. We kind of have some problems. So facts do not matter. Now, I don't know if... Perhaps we had a unified party and movement that promoted these facts. I do think it would make a difference. But who knows? But one thing that has been proven effective is parody and satire. And that's why I want to lighten things up a little bit for a show that does have a reputation for being pretty heavy duty with today's guest. So one of the only positive aspects to emerge from this terrible, terrible time we live in is the rise of conservative comedians. And, you know, originally it was just kind of comedic relief. We're living with so much pain. It's good to get a laugh once in a while. But then the more I thought about this, I realized perhaps this is the only way strategically out of the morass we're in. Because we're talking about how the facts are not only clear that they're wrong, but they're absurd and quite hilarious and counterintuitive. Everything they say, kind of like, you know, men could give birth. We're at the men could give birth equivalent of the COVID response. That's where we're at. Literally, where we now have not just data, but real lived experience where the shots are counterproductive, spread it even more. And we're at the point where they say, you must get the shot, the protection that failed to protect me so it can go and protect you and protect me even though my protection didn't protect me. And somehow they'll just eat it up. What's it going to take? So there's one comedian that's, in my view, has taken it to the next level. All of a sudden I started seeing these clips get passed around of this guy dressing up at these city council meetings in the Dallas area, Dallas Plano, and you know he puts on these two, three-minute skits but as if he's testifying before a city council, you know, usually a citizen could come and give a give a statement for a couple minutes. And I'm like, is this guy for real or is this 
a comedy. I couldn't tell. I turned to Steve Deese one day. I was like, is this for real? When I was listening to his riff on, on Ukraine and telling, exhorting all these people to get involved. And then I was like, man, this is a great idea. I got to get a hold of this guy. So with us today is none other than Alex Stein of Dallas. You got to follow right now Alex Stein 99 on Twitter, and that's S-T-E-I-N for the last name, and Alex Stein 99, the YouTube channel. And, and one thing I want to make sure you guys do is after you listen to this show, because this show ticks you off, you know, your blood is always boiling after you get done with me. It's either clotting or it's boiling, but... <laughs> I want you to make a regular um, regular habit of listening to Alex Stein's videos after me, and you won't stop laughing. And I think it's a great ba- balance. And with that said, we're going to balance it out right here now today on the show. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today to give us a couple of good laughs. Wow, Daniel, that was a very awesome introduction. I just want to tell you thank you for having me. And, and first off, you know, uh, this is the problem, you know, you are such a well-spoken, articulate, smart individual, but at the end of the day, nobody wants articulation. They don't want to be well-spoken at. And I'm not saying that you're not effective. You are very effective, and you're very pro- professional. But in society, has degraded so far down. We're so dumb that I think the only way to break people out of that trauma-based mind control is if we can make them laugh, if we can give them you know, a spoonful of sugar to help the bad news or medicine go down for lack of a better word, Daniel. And, and that's what I'm seeing. I, I don't like doubling down on failure. To me, I've been doing politics my entire career, and I always see things are getting worse. They're getting worse on borders, language, culture, you know, fiscal, social, whatever it is. The policy outcomes are getting worse and worse and worse, and the other side keeps winning even when they lose elections, and that has to do with the GOP perfidy. But anyway, I want to try something new. So I've noticed you started putting on, rather than kind of producing a video like others do, and I I love Ryan Long, uh, J.P. Sears, some great guys out there. You have this shtick where you go to city council meetings and literally as if you're giving a statement uh, from a concerned citizen, but it's kind of a skit, but it's really, it looks believable. Sometimes you dress up. I couldn't stop laughing at the one where you were in a hazmat suit um, at, at the Plano City Council or Dal- Dallas City Council. Where did you get this idea from? Who's your target audience? And what do you plan on doing with it? Okay, Daniel, that's a lot of questions. First off, I want to give a shout out to Ryan Long. He's a friend of mine. He's a great comedian. But what I'm doing, and I didn't invent this term. Somebody smarter than me invented it. But I am basically a hack comedian because what I'm doing is called culture jamming, where I'm taking the most absurd parts of the mainstream media's agendas. These people like Don Lamont, who says that white supremacy is our biggest problem, yet he's married to a white male. These people that, you know, think Leah Thomas, who swam on the men's team for three years and then, you know, magically after taking a year off, can swim against the women and go from the 457th ranked man to the number one ranked woman. These people, we are living in a clown world. So really all I have to do is just put a mirror up to the mainstream talking points and it it becomes comedy because we live in such a clown world. So what I'm doing, they call it culture jamming. You're just jamming the crazy leftist culture right in people's face. And that for me has been the most effective form of waking people up because really the people that are in charge of us, they mock us, Dan. And so I'm just trying to use their own regurgitated crap, for lack of a better word, and, and jam it and mock them with the same talking points they use to mock us. But, but I wanted to be, I want, I, you know, I have a lot to explain about myself, but I want to get your opinion. In this day and age, you know, you're talking about how you've been in politics for a long time. Because of identity politics are so strong, can people even be apolitical anymore, or do you have to have a side, in your opinion, young people, you know, middle-aged people, and older people? Do they have to have an identity or identify with a political leaning in, in this day and age because things have gotten so divisive, in your opinion, Dan? So look, I mean, Alex, you're bringing up the 800-pound gorilla in the room. When I was a kid, you had newspapers, okay? You didn't have the internet, not really, and you had the sports section, the weather section, and you didn't, it wasn't usually called politics, but you had the news section, okay? So it was kind of like weather. Some people cared, some people didn't. And if they did, they didn't feel that strongly about it, you know, obviously. Or sports, or something like that. Now it's risen to a level that is greater than religion. 
It, it is yeah. more of an identifier than a religion. So I'd say, no, you can't. I mean, and, and, and really the die is cast because politics is no longer just, hey, where do you think the tax rates should be? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, do you believe a man's a woman? A criminal is a victim. A, a legal is a citizen. Um, I have control over your body, your breathing, anything. I mean, our entire existence has been politicized. So, yeah, I mean, you can't avoid it. Yeah, and the reason why I asked that is because you bring up Ryan Long, and, and I've done a podcast with him. I've become friends with him after going to New York and hanging out with him. But he tries to stay apolitical, but of course, you know, they label him like an alt-right comedian, even though he's a guy from Canada, you know, from a liberal place or a liberal background. And he's, he probably has a lot of, you know, liberal-type ideas, but because the Overton window has gone so far left, if you just say, oh, I don't think a nine-year-old should have gender reassignment surgery, similar to what something Bill Maher said, all of a sudden you're alt-right. So I think in this day and age of creating content, you almost can't not create political content because if you have any social commentary, yes. it automatically goes back to identity politics and you're either attacking my identity, you're attacking my you know, political leaders. And so we almost cannot not be yep. political. H hence, hence Elon Musk is may as well be Jerry Falwell Sr., one hundred percent. I mean, they're making him like a bad guy, but he's also the guy that has the biggest electronic car company, the electronic vehicles that they say is going to help us with climate change. So these people are clowns. You know, this guy on one hand, they love him. And on the other hand, he's an alt right uh, Nazi. So, so it's just really confusing. So, Alex, what's up with the city council and what do you hope to accomplish with it? Also, describe a little bit. See, I only see the video of you because it's, you know, posted publicly a two, three minute clip. What's the reaction from some of those council members? Well, I need to film them more, and I do film them sometimes, but once I post a video, it seems to kind of like, you know, get hundreds of thousands of views, so it's like, oh, do I need to go make another one? But this is their reaction, Dan. Sometimes they have a sense of humor. I would say about 20%, about 2 out of 10 will have kind of a little smile on their face, or they kind of get what's going on. And the other 80% are a bunch of self-righteous, self-congratulatory people that take themselves so seriously because they, they you know, vote on a sidewalk. Uh, you know, they vote on, oh, well, should we widen the street on, you know, Lover's Lane? These people literally think that they are in charge of the world. And I'm not saying that it's not important at these smaller, you know, political levels because there's guys like George Soros that want to put in district attorneys. So oh, they yeah. want to have control. It's all local. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying the local um, uh, politics aren't important, but at the same time, these people, they are elected public servants. When they get into power, they don't realize that they work for us. They think all of a sudden we work for them. So when I would go to these meetings, it was very serious. The, the, the energy in the room, it's like I would hear people tell these horror stories about how their neighbor's house caught on fire and the fire, fire department didn't stop it and their house partially burned and they didn't have insurance and the city's not helping them and they don't know who to contact. And the city council member and the mayor would just look at them with their papers or on their cell phone and just disregard them like they're nobody. So when I spoke earnestly at the beginning of this thing, talking about vaccine mandates, talking about how, you know, the likelihood of these, you know, lockdowns aren't necessarily going to stop the spread, talking about serious stuff. They looked at me like I was a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat. Like they looked at me like I was an idiot anyway. So then I realized, uh, well, then well, I'll give them an idiot. They're going to think I'm an idiot. Well, then I'll give them the biggest idiot they've ever seen. And that's really where I started to get their attention like a quarterback, like Tom Brady, when he tries to draw them off sides, being like, hut, hut, you know, faking the, the snap count. I realized, hey, I, the only way I can draw these guys off, because they're all NPCs, non-playable characters in the video game of life. They don't want to interact with the, with the peons, with the people that are, you know, trying to give them their, you know, trying to call them out or bring up their problems. They don't want to get involved with us. So when I realized that the more I got absurd, the more I drew them off sides. And that's been the most effective form of getting their attention. Do you plan on expanding this, you know, um, getting other people? In other words, what's your what's your goal politically? Because I, I actually agree with you. They think they're too important. But from a political level, Look at COVID fascism. Most of this was implemented in city councils, mayors, governors, um, certainly the crime issue. A lot of this is going to be local. That's where we can make the most difference. And, you know, a small number of people show up. How do you think, again, because you're not just trying to put out videos to get clicks um, like other comedians, which is good because, I mean, you know, you got to convince the hearts and minds of the people but again, you're targeting city council. So where where is this agenda headed? 
Well, hopefully now I have other people like Cassidy Campbell. He was a big a million subscriber YouTube he, YouTuber. He's now like my protege. I have other people in other cities that are trying to do this. A friend of mine, Mark Dice, is doing it. We need to culture jam every single local uh, politician that we can because you're 100% right. These are the people that put in the mass mandate for city employees. These are the people that put in the mandatory vaccine for city employees, for cops, for firemen. These are happening at these meetings. So we need to have literally like the movie Fight Club, how they're, you know, <laughs> how it spawned off of one group and then there was groups all over and I guess you know the, the plot of that movie is they were trying to take out the credit card company and they were terrorists but I don't want to be terrorists but I'm just saying we kind of need to take that method of we need to be like an underground army of people that are calling out these local politicians because really if you hold their feet to the fire you, you, you hold them accountable a little bit they back down I've actually had a lot of success like Plano, Texas they were going to limit their public comment and then I gave them the business and they decided to go back <laughs> One of the city council members said, I've been a council member for six years, and all of a sudden we're going to change our whole entire protocol because the guy's come here for two months in a row and you know gotten us some attention. So what I'm saying is if we hold these people accountable – Oftentimes they can't squirm away and they actually have to capitulate to the mob, us being the mob. But if we don't say anything, then they're just going to follow the leader of the multinational yes. corporations like Pfizer or, or, you know, or the oil and gas companies. It doesn't matter. These guys want money at the smallest level. They want to listen to the people that will give them money. And that's these multinational corporations like Pfizer and Moderna. And, and we really have to take back the power before these co corporations take it all away from us before it's too late. Have they ever tried to enforce protocols or decorum on you and cut you off? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been cut off. I've been kicked out. See, see, one good thing about the pandemic is it, it and there's been really nothing good about it, but I, I, it opened up the the avenue of having Zoom calls where you could basically call into meetings because they were doing it all remote. So because I'm based in Dallas, I'm able to call into Portland. Some of the most viral videos I've done is trolling <laughs> Ted Wheeler. You know, I said I was Antifa and thank you so much for letting us use <laughs> fentanyl and, and methamphetamine Jeez. without getting in trouble. No, you got to see this one, Dan. That's, that's one of the biggest no, I ones I did. <laughs> hey, okay, I'll send it to you. But what I'm saying is, so so I'm able to Zoom, I'm able to talk to these mayors, the guy exactly like Ted Wheeler, who let their federal courthouse burn down for 63 days. They tried to light it on fire, the Antifa. And the only person that got in trouble is one woman for throwing a Molotov cocktail, got 90 days of house arrest. Yet the people that were on January 6th are all facing, they're literally throwing the legal law book at them. People are getting six years in prison for not even going inside, for some people just going past you know, a guardrail. I know I have a friend, Luke Coffey, a good friend of mine, he's being charged with assaulting, assaulting of a police officer of a federal police officer because he was pushing against the riot shields so we have a corrupt legal system that is not going to call out the people that are on the left for the you know the blm the looting and all the fires so when i when i called out ted wheeler on zoom it, it opened a huge avenue me from dallas i can call there i'm calling los angeles i'm calling new york i'm calling all these other cities and the, on, i guess my my end of the day goal is to try to wake people up from you're talking about earlier the term I like to use is trauma-based mind control. People are literally under a spell. They are mm. constantly looking at CNN, and all they see is a death scroller. Even if they don't watch CNN, they they have it at the gym, or they have it at the airport. They have it, they, you know, even if you don't listen to the radio, it's on at the elevator at work. So you're constantly getting, get vaccinated. Vaccinated is the only way. So they're going through this repetitive nature that actually literally brainwashes people. So I feel like the only way to try to reverse that brainwashing or to snap them out of it is to give them some comedy because we're under so much stress we've lost the ability to laugh and if you look at the top comedy producers in this day and age shows like snl netflix they can't create comedy anymore because it's all about intersectionality it's all about checking a box making sure they have a gay latino actress as a lead instead of just having a funny show so there's a huge void for people like myself people like ryan long that can actually call out the, the absurdity of the world and not have to worry about coloring in within the lines of political correctness. So my end goal is to, as long as I stay, I don't want to be rude to anybody. I don't necessarily want to hurt anybody's feelings, even if I disagree with people. I just want to illuminate the absurdity of the left. And because there's a, such a big void, Daniel, because all these other legacy content creators like these big corporations, Disney, they will never push the line uh, in fear of getting canceled. So I think that it... 
we, we're just getting started, Dan. And I, now I can't just speak at meetings my whole life. I'm going to probably have to end up going into some sort of, you know, politics. I might have to run for something. But a lot of doors are opening for me doing this, so I'm very grateful. And and that's why I get to sit here and, and have a podcast with you is because I'm doing these wild and, and insane and things. I'll tell you where I was very impressed, uh, you know, what caught my attention, your Ukraine video. I want to talk a little bit about psychology here because this is something I have struggled with for a long time the next current thing we see the train wreck coming we know it's going to come we know where it's coming from we know what they're trying to do with it and we know people are going to fall for it hook line and sinker every time and often even the majority of so-called conservatives including professionals who operate in the space i do and have bigger shows than i do and they'll to this day fall into it and you know, it could be the most absurd backwards thing, but they'll couch it very, very properly. I want to save grandma. I want to make sure police aren't <laughs> putting knees and choking people to death. I want to make sure. I mean, look at Ukraine was a perfect one because nobody knew the background. No one knew the complication. No one knew the implication. Nobody knew the Klaus Schwab, you know, ties with the bioweapons there, why they were so concerned about it um, and, and what they were trying to do with, um, you know, ration energy based on it and destroy our supply chain chains and no one knows about the Azov Brigade and the whole mm -hmm. background there. To them, prima facie, they latch onto very believable things. Look, you know, we're minding our own business. I mean, you know, they forget about 2014, that revolution the CIA was involved in. But, you know, right now, all they, they, they your average person could never have placed Ukraine on a map. But suddenly, look, Russia goes and invades and there's people dying. I mean, it's very sad. And boom, people die Here's what we must do. Immediately they have their solution. Give billions of dollars of aid, let in hundreds of thousands of refugees, and it's always the same solution. And you had an interesting way of disarming that. Talk about how you believe psychologically you could use comedy to vaccinate ourselves against the next current thing. <laughs> That's funny, Dan. Well, you and I talked about this earlier. What What is going on is people suffer from cognitive dissonance. People know that the government lies to you, but they still somehow inside of their brain can rationalize that the government has their best interest when that is not the case. The government literally just wants to control us. You look at what's going on with the Russia-Ukraine narrative. Russia has been the big bad boogeyman since the 80s, since the Rocky, Rocky IV, Russia was the bad guy. Right now, Rocky is the bad, I mean, Russia is the bad guy, and you nailed it. Nobody can even pick out Ukraine on a map. And we're not even talking about the business dealings of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, working for one of the biggest uh, energy companies in the Ukraine, getting uh, money under the table. So now they actually have leverage on our on our country, and people don't even want to talk about that. All they want to do is post a blue and gold flag in their Twitter bio, and they think that they're you know supporting the cause. But I'm anti-war. I'm a war interventionist. I believe that as a society, we should be able to come together and speak uh, on our differences instead of shooting guns at each other. So what they're doing is they're getting an emotional response from people by showing them dead videos, people dying in the streets. Yet, we don't even talk about the Azov Battalion in the Ukraine that is literally Nazis. I mean, they literally use a, 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 a form of a swastika as their logo. So people do not want to actually know what's really going on. They suffer from that cognitive dissonance. And you said it, I'm using all your good, good terms. You know, it's a mild wide and a centimeter deep. I mean, if anybody just gave it five minutes of research to see what's going on, they would realize, hey, why aren't we worried about the border between Texas and Mexico? Why aren't we worried about our borders instead of the border between Russia and Ukraine that has nothing to do with us? You talk about the billions of dollars in aid that uh, Vladimir Zelensky is asking for and nearly $7 billion a month is what he wants now. We've already given him, I believe, $1.7 or $1.6 billion to $800 million payments. I mean, this is money that should be going from our tax dollars that should be going back to us. But it's not. It's going to these uh, military-industrial complex, these war hawks, and for you know military weapons that are being used to actually kill not just people, kill cats, kill animals, um, kill industry, kill supply chains. Yep. So this is a controlled demolition of our own country, our own sovereignty, by making us the world police and something that we shouldn't even be involved in at all, Dan. By the way, isn't isn't it funny how um, you know Fred, one of our listeners, sent sent me this this morning? If our military must get the clot shots to serve, and and you know they're deemed non-deployable if they didn't get the shots. Well, you know what, Ukraine. I mean, none of these guys have the shots. There is one of the lowest rates in the world. Mm -hmm. um, Thirty percent. So, so yeah, so we could arm them if they're not jabbed. And like, what about a javelin missile? 
You know, we're told it won't work if Damn, we aren't jabbed, but somehow we, we can right. give it to them. And and that's, I think, kind of the point that, see, they don't believe in anything. It's all outcomes. It's just like, you know, you got to shut yourself down, but then you could have the largest gatherings in American history with BLM right after that. You know, you could have the largest ubiquitous invasion at our border coming from 120 different countries with, during uh, during a pandemic. But, um, you know, you you can't get a kidney transplant in America if you don't get the shots. I mean, it's not, they don't care about any of this, but the average person does take their stuff seriously. They take their thing seriously, or do they? Here's my question to you. I was, I thought the mask thing was the biggest religion ever in the country. I mean, the degree, it was like more than the Puritans, the degree of enforcement, the degree of shaming. And then the minute a, a district judge was like, hey, you know, uh, it's, it's it's unlawful. CDC doesn't have the authority. People are done with it. And I'm thinking like, okay, so did you support it or not? My question to you is this, and it ties back into comedy and satire. Do you think most people, is it that they get brainwashed intellectually and they believe it and they actually fear the new current thing, whatever it is, cops, you know, virus, Russia, or is it that they fear their fellow man and it's a matter of shame that you need to align yourself that way, but the minute that they feel it's safe kind of not to go along with it, they're willing to give it up. You just answered your own question, Daniel. What people are worried about is the opinions of others, and that's why something you have done is you're you're unapologetically yourself. I'm unapologetically myself. It was not a popular idea to say at the beginning of the pandemic a lot of these measures were not based in science. That was very unpopular, and we weren't worried about the opinion of other people, but now that they've lifted the mask mandates and you know, the federal judge said it's okay, everybody's like, oh, well, now I don't look like I'm being rude. It looks like I have manners. So really, in a civilized society, we do want to have a little bit of decorum and I think people in a foxhole like the media tell you everybody's racist and everybody hates each other I think at the grocery store everybody's actually usually pretty nice unless we're running out of toilet paper then we're fighting but I guess my point my point being is people are so worried about the opinion of others and there's a saying it's like your biggest fan is you know a stranger and your biggest enemy is like one of your close friends so if you worry if you live your whole life worrying about the opinions of others instead of just going what your heart feels like what you feel is right then you're always going to fall for the next thing, the next big event. You're always going to fall for the Russia-Ukraine. You're always going to fall for the new variant. You're always going to constantly be worried about the judgment of your peers when really your peers, whether they like you or not, should not be whether you are capitulating to wearing a mask 24-7. So sadly, I think people are going to just do whatever the mainstream media tells them is the accepted social response because we live in a society where people are too afraid. They have so much um, insecurities. Not that I don't have insecurities, not that you don't have insecurities, but we live in a society now, if somebody says you're depressed, they give you an SSRI uh, uh, antidepressant that makes you more suicidal. We have a society that actually doesn't help people with social anxiety. It actually makes it worse. So people are just so caught up in their everyday drama that they don't really feel comfortable enough to take off the mask or to walk their own walk. They want to follow the leader, and sadly, they're all sheep because that's what they feel like is the best way to fit in with society. I want to talk about young people because polling has shown this throughout the pandemic um, that there was actually an inverse relationship between you fearing the virus and your your uh, vulnerability to the virus. The youngest people bought into it, as they did with whatever the new current thing is. And what I struggle with is I'm young, but you know I'm old enough to have lived during a time before all this garbage technology. And I really think it's the technology has destroyed people's brains like a cancer. It's eaten away at it. Um, that's why people don't think beyond that centimeter deep. It's just, you know, they get overwhelmed. And, and before they're like, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, you, you said the shots are amazing, but I'm a threat to you. But you have the shot, so I thought it worked. Like, because yeah. they're on to the next thing, and it's so quick. They don't. No one thinks anymore, and and that's how they're able to inundate you, inculcate you so quickly, so profoundly with, let's say, five years worth of news saturation of thirty years ago. Now they could truncate that into a week or so, and that's how you're able to move public opinion. You know, a five years worth in a week. Um, but again, it's very, it's very superficial. 
um, young people, you know, their whole life is that stupid phone and, and all that junk that pops up, all the literal lies that just, you know, that those headlines that pop up in Apple News or wherever they get their thing from. How do you break through to those people? Well, Dan, sadly, the phone is what they call your second life. People can be anything. I was talking about the insecurities that we all have, whether we need to lose some weight, some people need to gain some weight, some people need to do whatever they're insecure about. They think they have you know, funny ears or droopy eyes or whatever. But on the phone, they can post their best picture. They can post their best stuff. So I don't think until people realize that, that, and I use social media, so I'm being a little hypocritical when I say this, but until we realize that the phone is an evil place and that the future, the metaverse, that they literally want us to plug into a computer and live inside of a computer, and, and they're going to trick people. This is what's so scary to them. They're going to say, hey, guys, you know, because of climate change, you only live 75 years on Earth, but in the metaverse, your life is going to feel like a thousand years. Oh, yeah. And so this, this might not happen in our day and age, Dan. You know, you and I might be old men by the time this technology is, you know, fully flushed out, but very soon on the horizon they are going to make children's lives so bad on earth and that's what they're doing with it by forcing the mass under five years old forcing the vaccine when you see the levels of myocarditis in kids under 18 is at levels that have never even seen before you look at the myocarditis in healthy soccer players but what i'm trying to say is to my point in a roundabout way is they're making life literally hell on earth so people will plug into that second life that phone that metaverse whatever that technology is and people they actually are going to live there it's it's like there's two school of thoughts of the future. There's the George Orwell 1984, where we're under constant surveillance, but was under constant surveillance. But life is very austere and it's terrible. You can't love. You can't have any relationships because even love is selfish. Or there's the brave new world aspect where everybody's on Soma. You're watching movies that are like uh, meant to uh, tantalize you. It's almost like basically like pornographic movies. You're on Soma. There's uh, there's uh, you know in that in that book there's people are constantly having sex. And I think that's where we're at. We're at the brave new world futuristic outlook where they're going to they're going to. Um, you know, romance you into the metaverse with drugs, with alcohol, with digital sex that they even are going to say that's indistinguishable from actual sex. And they're going to give you a false hope that your life is way better in a computer. So I'm the conspiracy theorist. I think that is, is going to be the future instead, unless we, unless it becomes like Terminator and we shut down <laughs> all the computers. I think that's almost inevitable. It, it, it that is. People will plug into There's got to be a way around that. And, um, you know, it's funny. You think you're just a comedian, but a very smart man, I could say. I had a private conversation with Dr. Robert Malone yesterday, and he, he actually said his biggest concern going forward is the transhumanism. And oh, 100%. You look at Schwab. You look at Gates. A lot of people don't even pay attention to what they've said. I myself, for a while, didn't even believe it just because I never paid attention to it. And they say outwardly. They not just say, but they've patented and developed things that could you know, place chips in you and monitor you. I mean, this stuff is not even new. Um, they have newer things that are very problematic. This is their agenda, the fourth industrial revolution. So it's almost like we have to have a way of jumping them Getting people out of it before they hit, because once they get hypnotized, uh, it's often too late. They're onto that new current thing. And I think what you're doing is kind of like the verbal equivalent of a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, you know, I could s sit and give a whole dissertation on how, you know, crony capitalism and big pharma is harming us. But I love how Ryan Long did this thing, and in two sentences, he brought out a point that I would struggle to bring out an entire essay. He, you know, he dressed up with a Pfizer t-shirt and he was like, yeah, you know, bro, um, we're sick of these big corporations. They don't know how to do it. This is the way you do it. You have government develop it for you, pay for it, mandate it. And like, that's the way you do capitalism. And he perfectly brought out this absurdity of the entire left spending a hundred years yelping about big business and big pharma. And then they latch onto and actually enforced the most odious version of it you could even imagine. Um, and that's that's what I think the power of what you're doing. I'll give you the final word. Talk a little bit about maybe what's coming next and what people could expect. 
Well, I just want to say the one point about the transhumanist thing is like in Saudi Arabia right now, they're putting microchips in people's wrists so they don't have to carry their credit card. I mean, people can't even carry a, a two inch plastic thing in their wallet. They actually want to put a microchip. So sadly, to Dr. Malone's point, I think the metaverse and transhumanist agenda is 100 percent real. And that's probably our biggest threat when we look at the overall viewpoint of humanity and, and the Internet and technology. I think that's where it's really going in a, in a bad direction, because guys like Elon Musk, who I, I do hope he saves Twitter, but he's also the guy that wants to put a neural link in your brain so you can park your Tesla. Yes. So, you know, there's a there's a there's a little bit of Let's a not forget smoke. That. Yeah, that's it's a little where where they say where there's smoke, there's also fire. But for me, in our lifetime, Dan. What I want to do is I want to, and I'm not trying to virtue signal when I say this, I want to try to bring some joy to some people and make people laugh, and then while also calling out the absurdity that we're currently living under, and I said this earlier, I basically am a hack comedian. I'm not calling Ryan Long a hack comedian, but because of the left, because the world is so absurd, and there's absurdity on the right. You look at Donald Trump trying to take credit for getting a vaccine out in nine months. That usually takes five years. That's not something to be proud of, but but I don't want to sit here and bash Trump. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's people on both sides of the aisle because the left wing and the right wing are on the By the same way, he bird. needs some he needs some of those videos. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm going to I'm actually supposed to meet uh, Trump at, at an event here very soon. I suppose I'm going to get a one on one with him. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm issuing gonna... that challenge to you, Alex, because I'm just going to tell you, we have cognitive dissonance on our own side. Yep. I, I experienced this for five years already where they will support things antithetical to what they've always believed in, just like the left, because Trump stupidly buys into something for some idiotic or selfish reason. Um, you know, like I had people that forever were tough on crime. We talked about this yesterday, you know, and uh, suddenly when Trump was on board, the, oh, criminal justice reform, you know, and all the Fox News, you know, so-called conservatives there yeah. get bought in. I mean, they're just as absurd. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is we can go into Trump made a lot of mistakes. Trump is a great, uh, you know, orator, public speaker. He's one of the funniest guys. He's really basically a stand-up com comedian. But you know, we, nobody even talks about. Literally, nobody talks about how the 2016 WikiLeaks, all of the dirt that he got on Hillary Clinton from Julian Assange, basically handed him that election. That was I'm very grateful. That was a lot of stuff that woke me up. And he doesn't even pardon Julian Assange. He actually pardons like Kodak Black and a bunch of people like you know uh, Jared Kushner's dad. Who did some weird stuff? Just, just, <laughs> it, it just. There's a lot of issues with Trump, and and he's better than Biden for sure. But the lesser of two evils is not necessarily a good person. Yes. Uh, so, so we stop do with that. Yeah, we kind of need to break free of that cognitive dissonance and that identity politics, and we need to come and meet in the middle. And obviously, we have a rigged two-party system, so we're going to have to pick one side. That's just the way it works. And it's or, always or we could try to power through that, and you know, it won't happen I overnight. Like that, yeah. It won't happen overnight. But I'm sick of this, oh, we can't start a new party, so therefore what? Just continue. No, you challenge every aspect of this and demand better. And I think over time, either you'll change the party or you'll have enough power to then start a new one. The fact that it's hard now is is immaterial. Um, but, you know, too many just apologize for this. And I think that would be an interesting idea, you know, bringing out the comedy of the rhinos and, and even Trump. You know, just some of his hypocrisy and absurdity. And like you said... A true comedian, it's only funny if you're equal opportunity. That was the problem with Saturday Night Live. It was like, dude, the left has so many more funny things they're doing now, and you just totally ignore it. That's not funny. That's a hack. I mean, so. <laughs> you nailed it. We need to call out both sides. Even if one side is, you know, doing a little bit better than the other in the culture war, war both sides need to be called out so we can actually wake people up from the trauma-based mind control. So, Dan, I guess the last point I just want to leave it is, is this is is we do need to fight, like you said. You know, I, I'm already, you know, all laying down the two-party system. But, no, we need to stand up at these local meetings. If you're listening to this, you're like, oh, Alex, I can't be a goofball. Then go be serious, but actually have your voice be heard because at the end of the day, your life is going to be short. You're going to be on your deathbed one day, and you're going to be looking back, and, and you might be having to plug into the metaverse for your euthanization. And you're going to look back. Should I should I have done something back then? Or is this the outcome that I wanted? So do not have regret. Do not be you know on your deathbed wishing you did more. Do something. You don't have to actually start a podcast. You don't have to be a content creator. But what you can do is you can go speak at these meetings. You can do this in a grassroots style. And yes, you can make a change because I've seen these council members change policies all because I've gone up there and spoke. So it, it is possible, but it takes effort. And in life, you get out what you put in. So ask yourself, 
guys, are you putting something in to this life in order to get something out of it? Wow, very well said. You are both serious and funny at the same time, which is what we need. Alex Stein 99 at Twitter and the YouTube page. Make sure you check out every one of those videos. You'll be addicted as I am. Alex, looking forward to having you back. Keep us updated. God bless you for your work. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Man, folks, wasn't that therapeutic? Um, it really was for me. I, I could tell you there, there's a video up on his YouTube page with like a hazmat suit. I couldn't stop laughing from it. How he does it with a straight face. And I don't understand how those council members sit there with a straight face. Um, but I guess the real hacks could. Uh, th this is this is very interesting. I am really very taken in by this um, because the enormity of the corrupt logic, the corrupt values, the corrupt data information behind everything these guys are doing is so insurmountable, it's hard to even articulate it. And I think this is really the best way. Sometimes in two, three minutes, you could bring out the entire point. And uh, I really look forward to hearing from him. And I think, um, you know, in the coming days, you're, you're definitely going to hear Alex growing a lot more, getting a bigger uh, voice. And I'm so glad that he's doing what he's doing. And again, locally, you know, doing this comedy show, I, I think at, at, at local city council meetings, I thought was a very, very interesting touch. Uh, let me know your thoughts. We're basically out of time. Um, did want to touch on a couple other things, the French elections with Le Pen losing and what that means and, uh, you know, what we could learn. Some of our elections I want to get back into. We have some primaries coming up. Um, I am pretty discouraged by it. We also have court rulings I want to get into with affirmative action. The 6-3 to three liberal court strikes again. But we are out of time till tomorrow. God bless you all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>